Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 now the works of the flesh are evident he's going to contrast here the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit is your tree good or is your tree bad now the works of the flesh they're evident they're clearly seen there's no question that that's the flesh he says And these are the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality. How many of you are involved in a sexually immoral lifestyle? Sex outside of marriage. How many of you are involved in pornography? How many of you have lust in your heart? How many of you are playing footsies with someone that isn't your spouse? Listen to this. These are the works of the flesh. This is not the fruit Jesus is looking for. This means you're walking in the flesh. Again, let me read this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which could be drug use or addiction, idolatry, making anything else bigger than God, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Anger, that's of the flesh. That's not the spirit, that's the flesh. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and uh, and things like these. And I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what Paul says. But he goes on now, and he's gonna tell you, but this is what it looks like if you're walking in the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. So when the Lord comes looking for fruit on your tree, what does he find? Does he find the works of the flesh or does he find the fruits of the spirit? Because you want to be a tree that is fit and ready. You want to be a tree that Jesus is looking for when he comes. When the judge arrives... When Jesus comes back, what kind of fruit will he find on your tree? He tells a parable in Luke chapter 13, does Jesus, about a fig tree that was bearing no fruit. And the the owner of the vineyard was impatient with this fig tree. And for three years, it hadn't borne any fruit. And so the owner of the vineyard says to the, the, the vineyard keeper, I want you to tear it down. I want you to throw it into the fire. It's just taking up space. And the Vine dresser, the one who who was tending the vineyard, said to the owner of the vineyard, give me a year. Let me dig down to the roots. Let me expose the roots. Let me make sure that nothing's sickly underneath the surface. Let me make sure that I can fertilize it and feed it and give it the proper nutrients. And if it's still not bearing fruit a year from now, then you can cut it down. But first, let me get my hands in it. Jesus wants to get his hands in you today. 
He wants you to bear fruit. He wants to strip away the soil. He wants to get down to those roots where you're supposed to be soaking up and, 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 and bringing in all of the nutrients. He wants to fertilize you and feed you, but some of you are running away. Some of you, because of shame or because of guilt, you don't want that stripping. You don't want to see what's going to be there when the soil is removed and the root is exposed. Let the vine dresser, let Jesus put his hands in you. Let him dig up all that needs to be removed. Let him, let him bring the soil back to a fruitful condition. Let him let you bear fruit. You have to abide in him in order to bear fruit. Jesus says, if you don't abide in me, you can bear nothing. You have to be connected to Jesus. Let him have his way. Surrender to his will in you so that that fruit can happen. Your livelihood, your eternity is tied to whether or not you're bearing fruit. And again, that fruit doesn't save you, but it's evidence that you've been saved. The, the, or this, this man, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this. He says, look at the farmer, how patient he is, waiting for the the profitable, the valuable, the precious fruit. He waits for the early and the late rains. See, th this farmer in these days, in, in, in this Middle Eastern culture, the early rains came in October and November, and they would prepare the soil. They would bring up the nutrients so that the seed would be ready to be planted. And then the seed would be planted, and because of those early rains, the soil was ready to receive the seed so that it, it could become ready to germinate. The germination process could begin. 75% of the rain for, the, for that harvest would happen between the months of December and February. And March and April would come the later or the latter rains. And so here what James is saying is if that farmer is impatient, if he doesn't wait for all of the storms, if he doesn't wait for all of the precipitation and all of the rain, if he tries to harvest in the middle before those later rains, those later rains that bring that that crop that harvest to its maturation, if he doesn't wait for the later rains, he's taking the harvest too soon and he misses out on the blessing of the harvest. Some of you aren't patient. Some of you aren't willing to surrender to the Lord in the midst of the rain. Some of you run from those rains just like you run from those hands that are in the soil trying to expose the root. Some of you don't want to suffer. Some of you don't want the trials. Some of you don't want to receive the Lord's trials that will lead to patience. And so instead you run. You don't want to experience difficulty in your marriage. And, and rather than stick through it and fight it out and allow the Lord to do a work, you just pull up anchor and you go find somebody else. You're missing out on the harvest. You, you quit too soon. Those rains are used for a reason in your life. Those rains are what lead to the fruit. Some of you don't want to suffer in, with sickness or don't want your family to suffer with sickness and so you run from it. What if God is trying to do something in the midst of that suffering to bring a harvest, to bear fruit? Some of you don't want to, to suffer through financial difficulties and you'll do whatever you can and you'll charge whatever you can to maintain the same lifestyle and God is trying to teach you in the midst of that rain, in the midst of that storm, Something that you need to learn so that there can be a harvest. Have you been avoiding the rains? Have you been avoiding the storms? Because if you have been, you're not ready for the harvest. 
You have to learn this example from the farmer who, is allow, who will allow the early rains, the middle rains, and the late rains before he puts the sickle to the field. I want all that God has for me. I want to experience all of it. If, if the trials, if the storms, if the rain is what brings me to fruitfulness for God, then it has to be worth it in your estimation. It has to be worth it in my mind's eye. I have to surrender to those rains so that God can enjoy the harvest of my life. Where are you at in this process? Have you surrendered to that? See, James again, he says this. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. And then he says this, establish, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. The word means to strengthen. It means to fix firmly. It speaks of laying a a firm foundation. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus, on the Sermon of uh, of the Mount, he's clear with this. And he says, the wise man is the man who hears my word and obeys my word. That's the man who built his house on a firm foundation, who built his house on the rock. And when storms of life come, when trials come, when wind and waves beat on the house, it will stand the test of the storm because it was founded on the rock. But the foolish man is the man who hears my word and ignores it or neglects it. He's like the man who built his house on the sand. And those same trials of life come. The early, the middle, and the late rains come and the house crumbles and falls and is destroyed because it was founded on sand and not on the rock. If you want a harvest, if you want fruitfulness, you have to be firmly established. Your heart has to be fixed on God's word in obedience to God's word. There is no other way. And again, we have a very descriptive explanation here as to why we should establish our hearts by James. The reason why we establish our hearts is because the coming of the Lord is at hand. You see, the early church believed that Jesus could return at any moment, and they lived their lives according to that truth. The church today has lost sight of that. We don't live our lives as though Jesus could come in the next moment. The early church did. They believed it and their lives were different. They were used powerfully. The gospel spread. The gospel grew. People were saved. The lost were set free because they believed that Jesus was coming. The disciples in Matthew 24 asked Jesus, what are the signs of your coming? How will we know that you're going to be coming back. If you have your Bibles, I want you to keep your finger in James chapter five, and we're gonna to turn to, G, or to Matthew chapter 24 briefly. Maybe a little bit more than briefly, if I'm gonna be honest with you. Matthew chapter 24. Again, the question the disciples pose is, how will we know that you're about to come back? How will we know that your return is imminent. How will we know that the conquering king is about to ascend to the throne and his glory be revealed? How can we tell? Look at what it, what, how Jesus describes this. We're going to first look at the end here. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But concerning that day 
and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only, or the Father only. For as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, and they were drinking, and they were marrying, and being given in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And then they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be the coming of the Son of Man. This is what it's going to be like, Jesus says. It's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And God called this man Noah to go forth before the people, before the lost, before the wicked, before the sinful, fallen world, and to preach righteousness to them. To warn them that unless you repent, unless you stop living the way you're living, unless you get your, right, your life right, there's a flood that is coming and you will be judged, but there's time for you to repent. There's time for you to get right. And Jesus says, in those days, Noah was preaching righteousness and the people ignored it. And they went on living their lives as though no judgment was coming, as though Jesus would take his time, as though they had all the time in the world and they continued to party and to, to have marriages and to, to drink wine and to throw these extravagant parties. They were ignoring the fact that the flood was on the way. That's what it's going to be like in the days before I return. Think about that just for a moment. As we look around our culture, and there are some that have chosen to not compromise truth or the scripture, and they preach righteousness, and they, they, they preach a message of repentance. Turn from your sin and turn to God because judgment is coming and they are mocked and they are scorned and they are called intolerant and the world snubs their noses at those preachers of righteousness. And Jesus says it's going to be just like that before I return. Just before I return it will be just like the days of Noah. Think about the wickedness. This is the way it's described. Listen to how the scripture describes the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. How can God not be grieved when he looks around at the, the state of our culture today? It's going to be like that. That's what it'll be like, Jesus says. How will we know that you're coming? I want you to turn maybe a page back. It is in my Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse six. This is what Jesus says it's going to be like before I return. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now pause there for a second. I, Ever since probably I was 10 years old, around the fifth grade, I can't remember a time where we weren't at war with some nation in the Middle East. Is it not true? Everywhere around the globe, people are at war, nation against nation. Everyone's looking out for their own interests, whether that's oil, whether that's food, whether that's some other natural resource. I, I don't know. I'm not a politician, that's not, that's not my field of expertise, but I do know that there are wars all around us going on. And I know that there's always been wars going on all, all around us, but the difference is the severity of the war that can take place today. 
Men used to use bow and arrows and swords and clubs. They advanced to the point to where they would stand across a field from one another and just shoot at one another until one side was wiped out. Today, thousands of people can be wiped out electronically, remotely through a drone and a video screen. An expert on war was asked once, what kind of weapons will be used in World War III? And he says, I don't know that I can tell you, but I can tell you what will be used in World War IV, and those will be rocks and stones, because that's how devastating the next world war will be. Jesus says, that's what it's going to be like before I come. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation. Look at what else he says here, though. He says after that, he says, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Famine. Right now, the United Nations estimates that there are 20 million people just in Africa that they're not hungry. Okay, there's a, people throughout the world are hungry. 20 million people on the continent of Africa that are going to starve to death if they aren't given food in the very near future. 20 million people. Now, in the mid-1850s, the world population reached a billion for the very first time. Okay, let's put this in perspective. Today, there's somewhere over seven and a half billion people on the planet. It took all of that time up until 1850s for there to be a billion people. And since then, on average, about every 25 years, we add another billion people. That's how quickly and exponentially our population is growing. It can only grow for so long until this planet cannot sustain itself any longer. There will not be enough food to sustain a billion people every 25 years. Think about that. We don't understand some of the diseases that the crops are being riddled with. We can't control the weather and the great droughts that have happened. You've seen them here in California. You've seen them in South America, these incredible droughts that have led to great famines. What, what, what's it going to look like before you come? There's going to be drought. There's going to be famine. These things are going to be happening. There's going to be diseases and pestilences. Look at this. Jesus describes it this way. Uh, he, he says, a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, again, earthquakes have happened for all of time, but it's been amping up over the recent past. Devastating earthquakes, killing hundreds of thousands of people. In 2004 in Indonesia, here's a picture of what that looked like. 230,000 people killed when this earthquake hit off the shores and it caused tsunamis all around this area in the Indian Ocean. 230,000 people killed. 2010 in Haiti, here's the devastation caused by that earthquake, 316,000 people killed in an instant, in a moment when everything collapsed. 2011 Japan, the tsunami that ensued from that, 20,000 people lost their life in the rising waters after this earthquake. Loss of life. The gravity of these earthquakes. Now here's the scary truth is from 1973 to 2013 there was an average of 25 earthquakes in the Midwest to the East Coast in America. 25 per year that registered 3.0 or greater. 25. In 2014 there were 658 in that one year. Jesus says this is what it's going to be like 
just before I return, there's going to be wars, there's going to be famine, and there's going to be earthquakes. But this is just the beginning, he says. Read on with me. Look at what it says, verse 9. They will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. They will, you'll be hated by all the nations for my namesake. The church is going to be persecuted, which is coming. It is on its way if it's not already here. The church being persecuted. Verse 10, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. This is where we're at. In the, just the last couple of weeks, there have been two major prominent people who have come out and confessed that they have lost their faith and they're no longer Christians. They have fallen away from the faith. One man's name is Marty Sampson. He's a worship leader who wrote some of the songs that we sing. He was a worship leader with Hillsong. Walked away from his faith. This is what he wrote on his Twitter account. Time for some real talk. I am genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. All I know is what is true to me right now, and Christianity just seems like another religion at this point. Falling away is going to happen. Another man by the name of Joshua Harris, who wrote a book that I read before I got married called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He became a prominent pastor and speaker. Very recently, he split from his wife, and, and went, after the split, he came out and said, this is part of the reason of what's going on in me. He says this, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. In his own words, he is saying, this is fulfilling the scripture. What is happening in me is a fulfillment to Jesus' word saying that his coming is near. The biblical phrase for this is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. There's gonna be a falling away, Jesus would say. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. In the later, in the last days, this is gonna happen. We see it happening. Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You have to guard your own heart that this doesn't happen to you, that you're not led astray, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. What did James say? He said, establish your heart because the coming of the Lord is at hand. And here Peter says, make sure that you don't lose your stability by following these people in their error. This is, real this is really happening before our very eyes. He goes on, does Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24. He says in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
And there were great Bible commentators that were excited when radio was invented. And radio took the gospel all over the world. And then television, and you can watch these preachers. And now today, every single one of us in our pockets has a smart device. And we're attached to social media. And we can share the gospel. And it can just spread like wildfire. It's happening before our eyes. Just in this little church here in the corner of eastern, southeastern California, we have so many modes through which we can share the gospel. We can get the gospel out. We have, uh, uh, obviously we preach here, but we're live streaming right now and people are watching. They're watching in Brawley at a service that is happening right now in Brawley. It's being shared on Facebook page, on the, our Facebook page, and people are listening to that. People will share clips of of this sermon and the gospel will be being preached. It will spread. And Jesus says, before the end, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations that the end is coming, that the judge is on his way, that he's nearing the door. Are you ready for that moment? Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Crawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977